Abby. And I'm Caitlin. And today we are discussing The Hunger Games by Suzanne Collins. We are so excited and also a little traumatized. <laughs> yeah. So taking a little walk down memory lane. Yeah, it was it was something else. It was quite the experience. And I recommend that you all reread this book. What would you rate it? I, so I gave it a 9.78 out of 10 just because, like, rereading it as an adult, I was like, holy shit. Like, what was – why was I reading this as a child? Yeah. Because, like, it, it is some heavy, heavy topics in this young adult book. But mm-hmm. I'm so glad that Suzanne Collins wrote this because I think it exposed, you know, younger people to some very real problems as well. And, of course, I remember reading it as a child – And it didn't feel heavy the way it feels heavy reading it now. And we're going to talk about like some of the differences uh, that we felt in this reread later. But I would rate this book a 10 out of 10. I really genuinely love this book and really appreciate Suzanne Collins for writing it. Even though it is upsetting, the book's upsetting. But I think like the cultural impact that it made on society and the exposure to some tough topics um, to like a younger audience is really important. It is a bit traumatizing though. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) There are parts where I'm just like, oh God, like I don't remember this being that scary. Like when I watched the movies. Yeah. When I read (laughs) the book the first time, I'm like, ew. (laughs) I do think the movies like they make it more palatable. Yeah, it was definitely made made for TV type stuff on there. But mm-hmm. I mean, but yeah, Suzanne is like, no, she's like, I'm going to really give it to him. It's actually really <laughs> awful. It's very scary what's happening. <laughs> and she's right. Um, so I'm sure you all probably know what The Hunger Games is about. But we're going to read the little blurb on Goodreads as per usual. So. In the ruins of a place once known as North America lies the nation of Panem, a shining capital surrounded by 12 outlying districts. Long ago, the districts waged war on the capital and were defeated. As part of the surrender terms, each district agreed to send one boy and one girl to appear in an annual televised event called The Hunger Games, a fight to the death on live TV. (laughs) Made for TV. Let's just let that soak in. 16-year-old girl, (laughs) let's let that soak in too, 16-year-old girl, Katniss Everdeen, who lives alone with her mother and younger sister, regards it as a death sentence when she is forced to represent her district in the games. The terrain, rules, and level of audience participation may change, but one thing is constant, kill or be killed. That is fucking intense. She also wasn't forced. She did volunteer for this. (laughs) She, yes, but I think her, she did feel forced. Uh, yeah, like, to take. circumstances. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. So with that, let's dive in talking about the characters. Okay, okay. So we'll start with Katniss. She is our main character of this book. I was so sad just to read about her life. Um, and Caitlin texted me multiple times while rereading this. Like, I'm on chapter one and I'm just like in tears for this literally young woman. Tearing up at everything. Cause it's so terrible. Like what she's experiencing at 16 years old. Like And that's just normal for her. It's her mm-hmm. life. 
So she is obviously extremely jaded and has just grown up in a world of oppression and poverty. They live in this thing called the seam where basically they are fighting for scraps at this point just to kind of stay afloat. I'm pretty sure like Katniss Everdeen is the blueprint for our best friend Feyre. Like she is a little huntress. She... I was going to talk about that. Later. I know. Crazy, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. It was giving Hunger Games. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll have to see who wrote which one first. Basically, like, her father had passed away and, like, this crazy mining accident that took out a bunch of the men in their little area of the district, um, which left her, her sister and her mother, who was just basically catatonic from depression, couldn't really contribute much to their upbringing or keeping food on the table. So Katniss is left to just do everything. Just like Feyre. Just like Vera, crazy. Does her <laughs> does her father or her mother have a shattered leg from the debt collectors? <laughs> She's got a shattered mind. I also feel bad for her mom. I do too. I really she, do. Like, she really did lose the love of her life. I really do. Um, something that really stuck out to me is like at the beginning of the book, like we're being introduced to Katniss and her world and she says, like, in passing, she's like, Gail says, I never smile except in the woods. Because, like, it really is, even though she's forced to be the one, like, source of survival for her family, like, she really does find peace in the woods. In her hunting with Gail, she becomes such good friends with him. And, like, that is, like, her one area in her life of, like, peace and where she has control yeah she's got control she's good at it and she just feels at home there which is really sad like given the (laughs) circumstances that she's there she is extremely clever and she's extremely kind-hearted and she has like this you know outer layer of gruffness protecting her because of everything that she's been through obviously she doesn't want to be vulnerable in any way Um, But even though she puts up this front, she cares deeply for people. And she often shows that in her actions. She's not a woman of many words. It's okay. You know, she's basically a feral child. So She is. And her actions often speak much louder than words ever could. So I feel like Katniss Everdeen is kind of like the blueprint in which others now base their like main female characters off of she really is she's giving not like other girls but in a way that's not on purpose it's not pick me it's It's not not pick me it's just she has faced all these horrible circumstances and so she has to adapt to them yeah and that's seen as very relatable to I would say females reading about this character or this type of character because I would say and no matter who you are like you face some sort of hardship in your life like it's going to be obviously different levels for everyone but they can really latch on to that persona of having faced something horrible but she's like still super strong and the backbone of her family also just the fact that she is like the eldest in this book Mm -hmm. like I think a lot of eldest children who don't have the best parents or the parents are kind of absent could definitely relate to this type of character because obviously that's what Katniss is going through um but anyone who's ever felt like they had to step up and really grow up and be the adult before they were an adult they can relate to that 
Definitely. It's a very complex character. And well, I mean, obviously we're doing the whole series. It's very, very interesting to see like how she continues to like develop as a character as well. Um, because obviously she does have to grow up really fast already. And so it's like, what, what else can you learn from this point? <laughs> but um, even just through like this book itself, like she learned how to like care for other people. She had to rely on other people and like that was very hard for her. And so yeah. that was really, really cool just to see the development even in book one. Um, so we do have PETA, our, our main male character here. I would just like to say I feel so bad <laughs> for any <laughs> bad things I have ever said about PETA. <laughs> like from the first time I read this book to now, because it's like at no point did he ever do anything wrong. Like yeah. All he did was exist. And I'm just like, man, this guy sucks. He's no <laughs> Gail. Who does he think he is? And I'm like, God, that was a child. Yeah. It's funny because when I read the first book and I know like it's a, a different opinion for everyone, like yeah. whether or not they were for, for Peta or for Gail. Because also when you're reading this book as a child, you are latching on to that romantic interest um, yeah. storyline because as a child that's such a priority in the mind of a child well and You're I think like, it's just such like a new and like interesting thing like mm-hmm. maybe you know because we read this when we were what like like oh, 12 12 yeah I don't know. it's like something that you've never it really experienced as a 12 year old and so yeah. that was just very new and exciting new and, and like, exciting wow. and it makes you feel like good that's the one thing in this book that like has any sort of like positive emotions yeah as well but yeah like as a child you think about like all the movies you watch growing up like there is a romantic storyline woven throughout like it's just it's beaten into us as children so I think we really did immediately upon reading the first book we decided do we want Katniss to be in love with Peeta or do we want Katniss to right. be in love with Gail and it's so funny because like Katniss is quite literally just fighting for her life yeah like she, she like, doesn't need that in her life at marry? all <laughs> it's like but she should probably not talk to men ever again in her life and <laughs> she just needs to focus on her like but she yeah, just again, had to like, bargain for success based off of how in love she was with this basic stranger i know and it's again like it's not Peta's fault Peta didn't do anything wrong he's in the same boat the only different child but yeah (laughs) Peta was like wow i've loved this like it was just completely different because he's like i've had feelings for this girl katniss was like i was unaware of your existence and so like to Peta, like he's just so innocent and like he really thought those feelings were being reciprocated back to him and so like that was so sad to see like he was taken advantage of so much in this book. <laughs> but, and the thing is, Katniss didn't do it with the intention no. of being malicious because I think she also thought Peta was acting. Right. She well, thought, that's okay. That's this what is Mitch told her. Yeah. And she was like, okay, this is how we're getting out of it. Like, you're right. Like, this is a great plan. But Peta genuinely, it wasn't a plan for him. Well, and really what it came down to was the failure of any of the adults in their lives. Like, they are surrounded by terrible, terrible, horrible people um, that are literally making children, you know, fight to the death. And so it's like, at no point was there structure in either of their lives. And so you can't really blame any of them for their actions. Yeah, it's true. It all comes back to just the whole situation. Yeah, like, Um, I do still make fun of him, though, for 
the whole camouflage thing like that is just so silly and ridiculous to me every time I read it he's like yeah I'm like a freaking god at decorating cakes so I know for a fact I'm gonna be able to camouflage myself in the woods like what a correlation what a line but he's right though he's literally right it just cracks me up every time yeah it is funny one thing that I really like about the story uh is like the parallel between Peta's father and himself though because Peta's father was in love with Katniss's mother when they were young. Obviously, things don't work out between them. And he actually, his dad, he ends up in a horrible, like, loveless marriage where she's, like, emotionally and probably physically abusive. She at least hits her children. She might as well. Um, But so it just, like, it makes you kind of feel this spark of hope for Peta that now that Peta is in love with Katniss, just like his dad was, you're like, well, maybe Peta can have a happy romantic ending, unlike his dad. That's why I think like the whole choice between Gail and Peta is so funny to me because it's like obviously Katniss's mom <clears throat> ended up with her father because like he just wooed her, like off her feet, whatever. <laughs> and so everyone's like obviously she's going to end up with Gail and it'll be like a recurring cycle and these Mm -hmm. poor malarks are just never gonna win in life yeah I know and then you you feel you pity him and it's sad I do pity Peter I really do I do too but also like the main reason is just the fact that he's a child that got put into the hunger game yeah however you know he played the game like He did play the game with what he was given and like anytime they were, you know, on stage or anytime they're in front of people, like he was quick with it. And so it's like, I mean, I do still think he's got his own thing that he's doing just trying Mm -hmm. to survive, but I do think he really does like her. Yes. And he did it well. Obviously he survived. So next we're going to talk about Senna because I think Senna is a really interesting character. Yeah. And kind of becomes like immediately a friend and mentor to Katniss more than anyone else in the capital while she was being prepared for the games. And Katniss is really drawn to Senna because she can tell that Senna is kind of on her side. Like Senna is also like anti-capital, anti-hunger games. And so I think that's really awesome that he's kind of weaseled his way into his position as a stylist because he's using that as an opportunity to send all these fuck you's. Right. It does kind of backfire, though. Katniss remembers, like, so the whole thing is, you know, we're really going to make you memorable. You're going to be the girl on fire. And the game makers at one point make a mockery of that and send a giant wall of flames towards Katniss and throw fireballs Mm -hmm. at her. And so they do, like, get them back for it. But just the fact that the capital is paying attention enough and they are bothered enough by... Senna's actions is yeah. important. I would just really love to know like more about his background as well. And obviously he's a side character that is there to assist the main character. But like all of the side characters play such an important role in this book too that it just makes you want to know like where they came from, like how they got into this role and like just their thoughts behind it. And also, like, every time I picture Senna now, like, all I can think of is Lenny Kravitz because (laughs) it just makes so much sense in my head. (laughs) Yeah. You're like, oh, nailed it. Nailed it. Lenny Kravitz is him. So true. Next, we're going to talk about Haymitch, uh, who, of course, is the 
only living winner from District 12 at the point that, you know, before PETA and Katniss win. But at one point, Katniss is considering, like, she's literally in the games at this point. She's like, you know, maybe I've misjudged this man because maybe in the beginning he tried to help the tributes, but it got to the point where it was unbearable to mentor children and watch them die year after year. Yeah. And it's like, no shit. (laughs) I feel nothing but pity towards Haymitch. Like, what a fucked up system they're in. Like, he's the only one to survive. He's the only living survivor. And they do talk about some of the previous survivors in the prequel book. But, I mean, it's been so long that anyone from District 12 has succeeded that that's all they've got is him. Yeah. And, yeah, like, first of all, he had to kill his way to success. Mm-hmm. And then was basically in a solitary life for every single year because no other people are going to survive from District 12. And then on top of, you know, living a solitary life, he is just sending children to their deaths every year. Yeah. like against his will. Like, it's not like he gets to choose whether or not he participates at this point. They're like, nope, you're yeah. the victor, so like, you I'd, have to mentor them. I drink myself to oblivion, too. Like, that's Same. terrible. I don't disagree with him at all. Also, he does kind of use like the drunkard personality too as a way to appear harmless to the capital. That he's just someone I really appreciate and look forward to reading, you know, more about how he develops throughout the books. Well, and I think he could just see just like the pure potential, especially in Katniss. Like, I, I don't think he could be bothered really with PETA. And he's like, if you live, awesome. If not, like, I was expecting that. But with mm-hmm. Katniss, like, he could tell, like, she was going to do everything she could to survive this. Yeah, he was Because like, oh, that's shit. how he was. And then Rue and Thresh are the District 11 tributes. Uh, Rue. I think it goes without saying it's awful, horrible. Just sees really horrible. Rue, yeah, like she sees Rue as a baby sister. She sees her just like she saw Prim. And Prim is literally the whole reason she's there. Right. And, and she's so like, to think another person, yeah, like at Prim's age is also here is just horrific. Yeah, 12 years old. Every time, like, that scene, I every time I get to that scene where she's, like, laying in Katniss's arms dying and, like, asking her to sing to her, like, I cry so hard every single time. It's gut-wrenching. It is. And I was crying even as, like, at the first introduction of Rue, just knowing what was going to happen. Like, yeah. it's just, it's, it's like, she's got to die. Like, everyone in yeah. this book has to die. It's fucked up. But it's another way to kind of, like, unify the districts against the capital. And Katniss sees that District 11 sees what she's doing and sends her the loaf of bread as a token of appreciation. um, Because they really can't afford to be sending her that gift. But they do it anyway just because of what she's done. When she's, like, they had to scrape together every last penny to send her, like, a single loaf of bread. So horrible. And then, I mean, we see that again with Thresh, where when he learns that Katniss buried Rue, not buried, but like gave Rue dignity and a proper goodbye and had been trying to help Rue survive, like he he lets Katniss go because he sees it as they need to stick together to fight 
what they're ultimately participating in. And it's just so sad that he, like, lets her go, obviously, and then the same night, like, his face, like, pops up on the screen because he let her go. Like, that probably set off a whole, you know, chain reaction to him eventually dying as well. Yeah, I mean, I do think Kato would have gone after him anyway. Because, because he stole his he bag. And also he killed Clove. Well, <laughs> you know what? Clove's little bitch. Clove is a little bitch. The career, whatever they're called. Uh, career tributes. Thank you. Career tributes. Mm-hmm. Like, they are something else. They built different out there. Which is another example of, like, how fucked up their world has become, that the wealthier districts are like, yeah, this is our economy. Mm-hmm. The Hunger Games is our economy. So we're going to raise children to participate in the Hunger Games and, like, flip the script and, like, profit from this position we're in. So, I mean, Clove was a big part of it. She was just part of that pack that, you know, hunted the rest of them. Obviously, very talented individuals they wouldn't have gone to where they were if they weren't which i feel like is just a huge waste of potential but they just made them into absolute monsters and like with kato it's such a hard concept for me because again like it's hard to hate children because that's what they are but also like how vile his death i think was the most horrific of all of them and as much as i didn't care for the character like nobody deserved that it was scary it was so scary like he has like this battle suit right and like the battle suit makes it impossible for like anything to like penetrate it so he fights for an hour like a whole hour fighting for his life against these like giant mutant basic werewolves that have the eyes of the dead tribute (laughs) which in itself is just (laughs) horrifying so scary and then eventually i mean your body gives out it's been an hour of you fighting your absolute hardest and he ran he ran for who knows how long yeah to get to the cornucopia so he's exhausted and so they finally get him but they don't kill him no they just eat him they just eat him slowly they weren't gonna kill him No, because the game makers are like, where's the fun in that? Yeah. So this poor, like, you know, 17, 18 year old is just lying, just mutilated on the ground for the whole world to see. And Katniss does have to kill him out of pity. God, like that is just horrifying. They're like, yeah, we'll show you that you ain't never gonna get back up from where you are in the districts and like that was like an affluential district too like Mm -hmm. what was he district two district one district oh i think they are district two so it's like he's from a well-off district that you know thought they were basically untouchable and Mm -hmm. it's just a reminder that it doesn't matter where you come from like the capital (laughs) is gonna tear you down exactly um effie effie Comes a, I'm not gonna say a long way. She comes a short way. Sure. Um, clearly, she thinks that the capital is the greatest, and they are not doing anything wrong. But you start to see it being chipped at a little bit, and you wonder if either she's putting on a little bit of a front as to how much she supports the capital, or if she's starting to realize that maybe she's been in the wrong. Well, it's just, like, until they see Katniss, like, no one has dared to, like, 
just outwardly rebel like that. And so I think to just see that small flame, like, you know, kind of ignite to something else, it was really eye opening for a lot of the people who had been so ingrained into the Capitol for so long. Mm -hmm. Because that's all it takes is just, you know, one person to kickstart something. Because then they're like, oh, no, you have a point. Um, We do also have Gail. So Gail is obviously a big part of the book in the beginning because that is essentially Katniss's crutch. (laughs) And like, that's the only thing like keeping her, you know, afloat right now mentally. But I mean, Gail isn't necessarily the best person to do that because he's going through the same situation as her. And so I think it's almost like a trauma bond between the two. It's like, yeah, would they have been friends otherwise if these bad things like hadn't happened to them? Right. Because they're um, they literally died in the same mine explosion. They're both like the eldest siblings who now have to provide for their entire family. And yeah, so trauma bonding is it's pretty spot on for them. I just think that's why her feelings for him are so complex because mm-hmm. it's like, you know, does she truly love him or does she just feel like he's the only person left for yeah. her? No, 100%. I agree with you. And then she's forced to, not forced to, but her brain kind of forces her <laughs> in that direction of like, dwelling on that whenever she's like putting on this act with Peta, she can't help but think of gail and feel Mm -hmm. these not straight up guilt but i think that's what her feelings are based in when when gail pops into her mind she's feeling guilty kind of feeling like she's betraying their relationship because again she's just she's so she's so young young and she's like is this love (laughs) it's like that butterfly meme (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> is this love um yeah because it's like you know again at 16 like you mm-hmm. don't know what that means like or you might but it's like you don't truly understand it because mm-hmm. you've never felt it before yeah. and it's just like a very new and exciting thing for you and so that's like really hard to work through as well even without all the even without all you know the near-death experience <laughs> Next, we'll talk about Prim and Katniss's mom. I'll start with Prim. Prim, her role in the family is she's the emotional glue that holds them all together. Like Katniss is keeping them alive. But if it wasn't for Prim, I don't think Katniss would even care if they were alive. Like Katniss would literally just have let herself and her mother starve to death a long time ago. (laughs) Um, Out of spite. Out of spite. Yeah, because Prim... Katniss is like, I, everything that I do is for Prim. I have to provide for Prim because of how deserving Prim is and Katniss wants better for her. And like we said, it's just, it is giving Farrah's dad. It is giving Akatar. I did just mm-hmm. look it up. That's what I was just looking up is what year that book came out. It didn't come out until 2015. Mm. So Sarah J. Mess truly did just completely rip this from the Hunger Games. She was inspired yeah, by Suzanne Collins. Yeah, aren't we all? Aren't we all? Love you, Suzanne. Big fan. Huge fan. But again, like, reading this as an adult, I get it, you know, having, you know, my own mental health issues. Like, I cannot imagine losing my husband. Right. I would also not handle that extremely well. Yeah, and it's it's hard to note because there are mothers who their mental illness that they're facing, they do succumb to it and their children do suffer for it. So yeah. it's like 
yeah, it's realistic. And can we really judge her for that? Like, and I think Katniss honestly feels guilty about judging her for it too, but the feelings are just too. But also how frustrating to have to take care of your family at 16 years old. Yeah. Well, and she started at 11 years old. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, (laughs) yeah, I don't blame her either. I don't, I don't blame anybody in this situation. Like I know everyone is part of a very broken system. (laughs) It really sucks. And speaking of the broken system, lastly, I just want to talk about Madge and her father, who's the mayor of district 12. You know, they're in a position of relative power being the mayor and the mayor's family, like they are well-fed. Madge does still have to put her name into the Hunger Games uh, tribute drawing thing, but they've never had to take out extra slips for her because, like, they have plenty of food. But even though they are in relative positions of power, they also do show disdain for the capital, and they rebel in the small ways that they can. Yeah. Like, Madge with the pin, having... The Mockingjay pin for Katniss to wear, and she wore it to the reaping. Also, like her father very clearly wants no part in the reaping or the Hunger Games. And I mean, if he could change it, he would. What an interesting place of power for him to be in, too. Like to have so much disdain, you know, for the capital, but still being able to like make it to that position of power. Mm-hmm. Like, is I mean, very- he probably feels like he can't give up. Any of that power, though, because it's what's keeping his family alive. Yeah, that's such a, like, a delicate situation to be in, too, because it's, like, you have to know your limits. But I bet he also just feels like there's nothing that he's able to actually do. Like, whatever shred of power he holds is all just, like, surface level. He actually cannot do anything for Mm -hmm. them. Mm -hmm. And that would be incredibly frustrating. It's all for show. It's to show that... The like, district, well, yeah. it's to, like, placate them and be like, well, we'll give you, you a mayor. Own little leaders yeah. and, and they can represent you. And but in reality, like, they happen. certainly do not. And I'm sure that's why he does rebel. He's <laughs> like, well, I'm at least, if I'm given, you know, this little tiny give, like, I'm going to use it to the best of my ability. Yeah. So some thoughts and concerns for this book. We, we don't have a, a few in this section just because we are going to dive a little bit deeper into some of them um, in our discussion questions. We don't want to give anything away ahead of time. One thing I thought was very interesting. So obviously this does start out like this is taking place in North America, but it's not just the United States. Like it is all of North America. And so I was trying to figure out where all the different districts would be located and like Mm -hmm. how big they actually are. And I could not find a map of it. Hmm. anywhere like nobody has made that which is crazy to me but okay we'll make it yeah I will go ahead and do that for you guys yeah Um, you guys can quit begging we'll do it (laughs) like twist my arm (laughs) um one thing I did think was crazy though is that district 12 is located in the Appalachians which is where I am also located and so like I would currently live in district 12 woohoo that sucks you could be Katniss. And I. what's funny about it is that here in Kentucky, everyone has, like, the coal miners, like, license plates and stuff. And it's, like, I can't remember what they say, but it's, like, we heart coal or something like that. And it's just, like, <laughs> wow. Well, maybe you wouldn't be in the seam. Maybe you'd be more in, like, the 
the Maybe chill like the area nicer part of <laughs> district 12 mm-hmm. well and like the other thing is like it's kind of bad too that they're like yep district 12 support district because like a lot of appalachia is like extremely poor and like yeah. very rural and so like that was just a little too real that is out of pocket suzanne <laughs> out of pocket suzanne they are already dealing with their own problems like you don't gotta rub it in there's a drug epidemic here <laughs> suzanne have a heart but also district 13 that was the other one i wanted to talk about like i want to know more about district 13 i was trying to like educate myself on it a little bit more because i'm like i know someone out there wrote more about it apparently in the prequel novel they are going to get more into it and i am so excited i'm excited too because they just briefly mention it district Mm -hmm. 13 like yep district 13 was wiped off literally yep and it's like clearly there was a reason. It's like what happened there? There was that one to obliterate. So wow. stoked to learn more. Agreed. And then the capital is very obsessed with like beauty and appearance. And so when I almost said Feyre, when Katniss arrives, <laughs> when Feyre Archeron arrives to the capital. When Katniss arrives to the capital, they literally just immediately are waxing her entire body, like. She is literally a child, and they're like, well, you don't look attractive enough. And child, like, child if, sacrifice, you don't look like, attractive enough. What if someone sees you naked? It's like, well, no one should be doing that because <laughs> she is 16. It's fucked up. It's so gross. It's so gross. But that's the capital. And I love that Suzanne was like, yeah, I'm going to really just shine a light on the gross perverts that exist in this day today and i'm just gonna make it the capital Mm -hmm. she was doing a lot with this she was and i do want to touch on the symbolism in this book yeah for sure most of it's like pretty blatant let's start with the mutations so the (laughs) capital makes mutations which is like animals with mutations um and in general they are kind of a a way to assert their power and dominance over the districts. They're like, we can make these horrible things. They're often made for the Hunger Games, but they exist in the districts as well if they are enough to, like, subdue people. Like, the tracker jackers are all over District 11, Rue said. And there is a mutation that was made called a Jabberjay. And the Jabberjay would like repeat what people were saying. And so the capital was like trying to use it to spy on people. But then the people flipped the script on them and were feeding them false information. So whenever those um, bred with mockingbirds, then the mockingjay was born. So the mockingjay is a kind of a symbol of like taking that power back and like rebellion amongst the districts because they basically are just flipping the script on the capital and making them look stupid, which I love. they are. Yeah, they are stupid. Yes. And then, of course, Madge wears that symbol and asks Katniss to wear it as well in the games. And so we already have that, you know, symbolism of the Mockingjay, like, for the rebellion. However, to Katniss personally, the Mockingjay symbolizes loss and grief. With her father, he was a singer, And the Mockingjay, they can't repeat words anymore, but they can still sing. And she just has, like, these super fond memories of her father singing to the Mockingjays. And the same thing happens with Rue. When she forms an alliance with Rue, 
she's like, I will sing to the Mockingjays to let you know that I'm all right. And so it just becomes like a reminder to Katniss of her grief and her loss with both her father and Rue. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of her personal relation to the Mockingjay. The next two symbols of rebellion that we're going to talk about. So first of all, the three finger salute is adopted as a symbol of rebellion because in District 12, Katniss tells us it means thanks. It means admiration. It means goodbye to someone that you love. And when Katniss volunteers to take Prim's place, they're basically like trying to get everyone to applaud her for doing that. But instead, they do their salute. And then later, Katniss, when she knows that, you know, this is going to be televised after she has decorated Rue's body and flowers, she uses the salute to Rue as well. And so it's really at that point, like solidified as a symbol of rebellion. And then the ultimate symbol of rebellion for Katniss and Peeta is the Nightlock Berries because Katniss realizes here's where we're going to show them that they are not in control. We're going to deprive them of a victor because they're they're changing it on us and saying that we can't both survive now. So no one's going to survive. And then, of course, the game makers are like, hold your horses. We're just playing. So those are the, the, I would say, just the main symbols throughout. So moving on to our discussion <laughs> questions portion of the, of the evening. Let me just start by asking you. I have a lot to say, but I want to know what you think. What differences did you notice, like reading this book now versus what you can remember reading it as a child? My perspective has just completely flipped because as as a child, obviously you have not seen the travesties the world has to offer. It's like when I read this book the first time, I was like, what a fucking badass. Yeah. Like, you know, like I was probably like in a bad situation, but like, what a cool individual who can shoot this bow and arrow and who like survived these terrible games. Like, who also managed to snag a boyfriend for herself like <laughs> two like boys all, after yeah her. all i was thinking Over. about was like what a cool love triangle and like what a neat individual not at all thinking about like what the fuck happened yes. <laughs> to like lead us <laughs> to this point <laughs> like mm-hmm. when i started reading it again i was just like jesus <laughs> christ like he was like yeah sacrifice the children yeah all of the children like steal the children put them in this arena (laughs) for 74 years for yeah and we've been doing this forever they do the reaping once a year and everyone's just like oh that time again and i was just like oh yeah like it's that time again for the reaping (laughs) like let's go what's gonna happen get your sunday best on we're going (laughs) to the reaping reading this as an adult i am just like jaw to the floor stunned yeah i agree with everything that you just said and What I kind of want to point out for me, and, like, also, like, I just have been, like, super emotional lately. Like, lots of things make me cry as of late. But I will say, I was not even, not even 10 pages in the first time that my eyes teared up, like, reading this as an adult. However, I do remember as a child feeling the way that you felt, that I was like, how cool is this girl? Like I wanna I want to survive the Hunger Games. No, bitch. No, yeah. you don't. 
I want to survive the Hunger Games and have two boyfriends. Like, no. Listen, <laughs> when we <laughs> read this book for the first time, we probably were 11 or 12. Yeah. Katniss yeah. is 16. And clearly, as an adult, we know we know what it was like to be 16. We know what it was like to be a 16-year-old child. Sure. But as a 12-year-old, you're like, that's an adult. That's an adult. Yeah. I'm like, she can handle it. She's an Mm -hmm. adult. So that perspective change in its own, I think, is like the main reason. You're just like, oh, God, like you're 16. You're 16. You've been taking care of your family since you were 11 years old. But now you're 16 and you're going to fight in the Hunger Games, fight to the death. And the only way that you're going to survive and somewhat keep your humanity intact is by murder selling by murder whenever necessary but also by selling the narrative that um you're actually in love with this boy that you came to fight to the death with and you have to like you have to sell it you've never been in love before you're 16 years old but you better fucking sell it you because better you're work, alive. bitch you better work bitch it's You're like, like quite what literally depends on fucking it. like pervy ass person in the capital is like, I'm only sending these people food if they show me that they are in love and I can see it on screen. If they give, give, give them a little kiss. kiss. If y'all ain't kissing, you ain't eating. You ain't That's what getting that said. medicine that you getting. It is the most fucked up yeah. scenario. And... I mean, obviously, I'm sure there are points at which I was emotional reading it as a child. Like, Rue's sure. death, like, yeah, horrible. That wouldn't make anyone upset. But the smallest things were making mm-hmm. me emotional. Like, Katniss talking about how Prim has... Oh, let me just pull this up. Oh, the cat? The cat. The fucking cat. We're on page four at this point, and I was already crying. So, Katniss loves Prim so much, and there was this cat... Prim begged for this cat to stay, but Katniss is like, it's another mouth to feed. So she literally tried to drown him because she was like, it's a matter of life or death for my family. Yeah. How much food I'm having to give this cat. But I mean, the cat survives. She doesn't successfully drown it. It used one of its nine lives for that escapade. (laughs) Yeah, and she talks about how the cat always hisses at her because, you know, she tried to kill it, so it doesn't it doesn't like her. But she started to feed the cat the entrails of her kills. And so this this line right here, entrails, no hissing. This is the closest we will ever come to love. That fucking made me cry because I was like, it's the closest we'll ever come to love, like, between you and the cat. But the fact that the, this cat is in your house right now speaks volumes to how much yeah. love you have for your little sister. And so that in itself shook me to my core. Yeah. Um. So I was immediately upset, less than 10 pages in. I think the other thing that I really noticed this time was just how much I connected more with, like, the adults, the actual real adults in this mm-hmm. book. Like, Yeah. Like Haymitch. Like Haymitch. And even Effie. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, imagine growing up in like that environment and then one day realizing like you're wrong. Yeah. Because it's like, you know, maybe growing up in like a dictatorship where it's like you maybe leave that country and then you're like, oh shit, like everything they told me was wrong. Yeah. Like I was brainwashed. I was taken yeah. advantage of. 
like how scary would that be like as an adult to be like I've been doing this my whole life yeah like and you're so like that was, oh my god like look at the negative impact I yeah. have in society so like that was a little jarring and then yeah like the whole thing with Hamage it's like you know you're an adult like when you start to empathize with the poor drunk man because drunkard yeah because he actually had to like kill children like yeah he as a child had to murder other children and then then send children to their deaths repeatedly for years into well into his adulthood yeah the story is still amazing but Mm -hmm. instead of being like Katniss is the shit I was like my god you poor thing Yeah, I was like, won't someone help this girl? And that was really sad for me. Like, not sad, but it was just really different for me reading it as an adult. Being like, what a different point of view this is. And it only is going to get worse because it's like, yes, in this first book, Katniss has the weight of the world on her shoulders. And she is the sole person responsible for supporting her family. And as the book series goes on this child becomes the fucking face of the rebellion that's going to save it's like, the world. By the time we get to book three, she is only 18. Yeah. She is 18 years old. <laughs> and she's the inspiration and the face of the rebellion that's going to save the world. I was shooketh rereading this as an adult because I haven't read it since I was a child. Yeah, I haven't this is read the first it since time like, I picked it back up since middle the school. first time I read it. Yeah shook absolutely shook so my question is how realistic is it that north america and i would even say north america the united states could Mm -hmm. dissolve and be formed into the districts we see and also start something similar to the hunger games because i think it is more realistic than we think i think unfortunately yes like any sort of dystopian scenario i could easily see the united states falling into that i mean there's just so much like civil unrest and there is like all over the world yeah yeah. i'm saying this could happen realistic realistically to anyone i'm just not as educated i think on other countries like you know day-to-day things as i am obviously the united Mm -hmm. states because i live here yeah so like in our own country do you think that's possible I do. I think it's very possible. I think that it would happen over slowly, like over a period of years. But yeah, yeah. you can't just throw people into that. Like you got to really work your way up to yeah. something like that. I could very can easily you, see that. Can you imagine the first day they're like, hey, guys, we have something new and fun to introduce to you. And that's exactly how they'd frame it. I'm assuming there had to have been something that happened that caused the dissolution of the of North America. Yeah. To, for all three countries to <laughs> dissolve, like, something crazy had to have happened. Right. I'm not sure exactly what the history is there. Yeah. And then they break apart into these 12 districts all across North America. So, mm-hmm. you know, Canada, Mexico is included in that. Which I feel like would be really hard. Yeah. For that to happen. So then we we form these districts. And then from these districts, you know, you have your rebellion. Where does the capital fit into this? Like, is what I'm curious about. Because it's like, was the capital overseeing all these 13 districts to begin with? That's the way I understood it. And then the districts tried to up 
like revolt against that because it's like hey this isn't really working for us yeah interesting so yeah so like i feel like a lot of time would have to pass Mm -hmm. before this happened yeah and it would be over years yeah it would just be like a very slow development into them being like also we've created this giant coliseum we're bringing coliseums back give us your firstborn child we're gonna toss him in there Mm -hmm. just see what happens but i yeah i don't think that's that crazy okay yeah no i don't i don't disagree (laughs) I don't because, disagree. Because, I mean, ultimately, like, people are just, I mean, humanity can be caring, but they can also be disgustingly horrible and cruel. Like, how crazy that, like, you know, maybe their society was like, what did this take? Because we don't know when this takes place. Like, it's a dystopian society. This could be year 2023 that this happens, mm-hmm. where things start to go terrible. And it's like, you know, us right now, we're like, wow, that would be bad. Yeah. But then in 50 years, they're like, yeah, that makes sense. Like that we're doing this. Yeah. And it what's really like disheartening to like think about is it does feel so realistic because like things are just bleak. Like things, it's not that. It's not good days. The world has always been a place where bad things happen like that's literally always been the case yeah but with like the way that people are so able to communicate and work together nowadays you would think that we would actually be like trying to come together as right a species and like save the planet that we live on and and find... like that's not happening <laughs> yeah like why can't we like find the solution to world peace why can't we save the planet and it's because like there just always is going to be a power dynamic that like but you know what i could do agenda... instead i could take over the world yeah like their agenda is always going to be like self-serving and won't allow that to happen like that sounds great and all but no thank you yeah and it's very frustrating obviously because the majority of people would like for things to be good and peaceful and happy but the majority of people don't hold the power um so you know part two of that question also question three do you think you could survive the hunger games because I, I couldn't. Not, because the on- my only chance at survival would be, like, hiding and waiting it out. And the game makers clearly would not allow that. Yeah. It's like, I do have a healthy sense of self-preservation, but also I'm limited to my yeah. physical abilities. Yeah, I don't have... Which, I mean, granted, this is me right now. This is not me being born into a world where the Hunger Games is a thing. Right. And being taught like survival skills um but i just like don't think that i i just don't think i could i could yeah yeah i just don't think I could. i'd i be one of the victims from day one at the cornucopia i, I think i would have been the the one that just maybe stepped off the platform i mm-hmm. probably would have killed myself before we even got there yeah 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 no like i would have <laughs> mm-hmm or just stepped onto a mine. Yeah. Um, the only, like, 
I think maybe I could make it like a few days if I was able to successfully get away. Maybe I could make it a few days before someone like tracked me and hunted me down. Yeah, it's just like I don't have a great understanding of like forageable items. Mm -mm. So it's like I think I would probably if I did manage to make it that far and like I did escape the cornucopia, maybe grabbed myself a couple knives. Like I think I would accidentally eat something poisonous. Yeah. Or I would be that girl from District 8 who was so desperately cold that she lit a fire and then signaled to where I was and then got killed. I'd be like, fuck it. I'm freezing. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, you know what point... would have been such a good tactic, though, is to light that fire and then just like kill everybody that showed up at the fire. If you're good at killing, yeah. Yeah. Like she could have really thought through that better. Yeah. Anyway, no, I would die. Yeah, probably. Me too. <laughs> we like, stay together. What if we went together? Yeah. We'd be from the same district, just step off the platform. Like together. a little suicide pact. Yeah. It wouldn't be as peaceful as the berries, but. No. I, I don't know if that was peaceful. I think that would probably hurt a little bit. I don't think maybe that was like, instant. Maybe like a few seconds of suffering. Worth it. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> we're fine. Let's discuss the whole being madly in love strategy because I want to talk about like what we think of it and then also looking at the situation from both PETA and Katniss's perspectives. So first of all, like what do you think as a strategy? I think if they weren't like kids, maybe it'd be fine because they might understand that a little bit better. But, like, asking, like, a a kid to be, like, act like you love this person, I feel like it's a little risky because it's, like, again, they don't understand what that is. Like, they may have, like, a familial love, Mm -hmm. but, like, it's a little predatory, first of all, but... But is that the reason why it works? Yes, because they're... They're all bad people. Yeah. Like, they're literally, they're selling children into the skin trade because of their beauty, because they're child rapists, and, <laughs> like, they're like, wow, look at all these young, beautiful people that we brought into this arena to sacrifice themselves for our capital. So why not? Like, this yeah. is a game to them. Yeah, and they're looking for entertainment, and... A romantic through line is just the thing to, like, add a little bit of spice. Everybody loves romance. Yeah. So they're like, yeah, like, if you make this worth my while, I'll give you something for it. In terms of, you know, the perspectives of it, I feel like one person knew what was happening and the other one did not. Mm-hmm. And so Katniss was obviously in on this whole scheme because, hey, Mitch, did not give up fuck what happened to PETA (laughs) like he did not care what happened to him and so he's like hey for your benefit act like you love this guy they'll send you food and then when it comes time like kill him and it'll be fine and now PETA is like wow what a strong beautiful woman that I am fighting with and then she starts showing him like a shred of affection he was like this is all working out for me like Mm -hmm. this is great and then it's like they they survive and he's like awesome like we're gonna end up together yeah she's like hey so sorry like this was actually for show 
So it's like, I feel like Pia was just so naive in that situation. And because he didn't have to literally fight for his survival growing up, like Katniss did, like he's on like a whole different level of like awareness than she is. Mm -hmm. And so it wasn't even a fair (laughs) fight. And it sucks because nothing that Katniss is doing is out of malice. No, Like, this whole time that they were, before the Hunger Games, when they were, like, preparing and being mentored, like, she felt like she couldn't trust PETA because he has his own agenda. Like, he is potentially plotting her downfall. Sure. And so whenever this whole thing comes out that PETA's like, oh, yeah, like, I'm actually madly in love with her. She's like, what the fuck is this strategy? Like, what What are we doing? (laughs) She's like, how is this going to come back and bite me in the ass? Is like her first thing. Well, Um, and also it's like, she was like trying to protect herself too. Because she was like, if I just don't like this person, if he dies, it's fine. Yeah. But then when they're like, you can make it through with your partner. She's like, okay. It's like, it's okay to feel these things. Because now I'm not pretending anymore. Like, now I actually do feel this, and it's okay. And she does. She does care for him. Not, she doesn't have romantic feelings for him, but she cares for him genuinely. And so I think that sucks that then at the end of the book, Peta is like, oh, shit, you were just pretending. Because she was. Well, she she was to begin with. Yeah. She didn't, she didn't want to marry him, but she doesn't want to marry anyone. Like, she's like, I'm fucking 16. Because she's 16, yeah. She's, she's <laughs> a child bride. <laughs> I'm fighting for my life. And so... And this is what you guys point, are worried about? Is, like, me... Like, who I'm going to marry? Like... Yeah. Like, she's genuinely just confused by it all. And I, I'm confused. You're confused. I'm confused. This is page 297. Um, They're in the cave at this point. And basically, like... At this point, she's already gone and gotten him the life-saving medicine. She's like, I did the right thing. And he's like, Katniss, no, like, do not die for me. You won't be doing me any favors. And so she recognized it as an opportunity because of what Haymitch sent her, like, you know, one kiss equals one pot of broth. She's like, okay, so now's my chance to kind of put on a little bit of a vulnerable, like, act to get more food for us. And she said, maybe you aren't the only one who worries about what it would be like if, and like, she's fumbling for words. So she like trails off. Um, But she says, I'm not as smooth with words as PETA. And while I was talking, the idea of actually losing PETA hit me again. And I realized how much I don't want him to die. And it's not about the sponsors. And it's not about what will happen back home. And it's not just that I don't want to be alone. It's him. I do not want to lose the boy with the bread. And so, like, while she's not romantically feeling the things that Peta's feeling, she's like, I care about him. I don't want to lose him. That's genuine. The later thing that happens at that point, they're sleeping, and he pulls her, like, close to him, and she said, no one has held me like this in such a long time. Since my father died and I stopped trusting my mother, no one else's arms have made me feel this safe. And it's fucking heartbreaking because she is not seeing him as, yes, I'm a in romantic love with you. partner. She's like, I finally found like 
that again, like that familial love and that connection and safety and companionship that she's been deprived of, quite literally deprived of since the age of 11. (laughs) And so it's like, I everyone watching this is like, oh, look, like they're cuddling, like do more. Yeah. And so it's like, as a child reading that, I did not understand at all what Katniss was going through. It's like, are you wanting these kids to like, like fuck on screen or something? Like, yes. What the, the Capitol would have loved that. It's really like, it's really heartbreaking that Katniss is like, this is the only strategy is yeah. like, to put on this act. But then she, she does genuinely care about him and loves him, but in a different way. And then she right. feels like, like she's doing something wrong. Like something's wrong with her that she's not able to return their romantic feelings she's like what's wrong with me and this is something that (laughs) continues like through the rest of the series too and like the end of the book does make me like like the end of the series does make me like just ill it makes me ill because i still don't think by the time they get to that point she's even figured out like like i guess i love this person because everyone tells me that i do but it's more just like space it's more just like a safety thing it's like i feel very safe with you but Which I like is, like valuable, but that very, doesn't mean that you that doesn't mean you want to be intimately like physical with them, right? And it's sad because like that's just being shoved on her. But in a way, it is kind of shoved on young teenage girls. Yeah, like it's real. It's like, oh, you want to hang out with this person? Oh, it must means that it must mean that you like want to be with them yeah and then and then that means that you should like sleep with this person and like you intimate. owe it to them to like be intimate yeah it's and so, fucked up and that's a storyline that i did not latch on to this side of things as a child and when i was reading this as a child i was very much interpreting it as yeah this is her romantic interest and and gail's her other romantic interest and it's a and there's going to be a love triangle yeah but as an adult, I'm like, she is being forced into this. And like, manipulated. In like, yeah, and the manipulation gets worse, folks. It, just, it continues to be terrible. It's terrible. Yeah. So I guess, yeah, we'll talk about how that develops through, through the second and third Yeah, we'll have to make a note to like <laughs> really follow back up on this because it ne- it just never ends for her. And I think that's what makes this like such a realistic thing and i'm very appreciative that suzanne collins did this because like that's what happens like it wasn't a happy ending like what happened is like she just ends up like this because that's what she's been given it's so unfair so next question (laughs) and i think this is arguably the most important question of the day all right so can you even begin to imagine the field day that TikTok would have if Hunger Games had come out in like our current time in like the year of our Lord 2023. Because I'm trying to imagine. Because I just remember context. like when like Strangers Stranger Things, I think it was season three came out. Maybe it's season four, um, with Eddie. And like people got weird. Like, they got strange. And (laughs) stranger. Stranger. Yeah. (laughs) Like, to the point where, like, the man who portrayed Eddie was like, you guys need to stop. (laughs) 
because this is like bad. I think I I missed this entire situation on TikTok. Yeah. Like they were impersonating him and like making these videos and like people were like obsessed. They were just obsessed with this man. And it was like very unhealthy. And it was like a micro obsession type thing. Like it blew away within the month. Like it was over, of course, because that's how (laughs) social media is. Mm -hmm. But like anytime something like that happens, like the whole thing with like Killian Murphy right now with like Oppenheimer, Mm -hmm. like the thirst traps that are being made of this man right now are borderline disrespectful. And it's like, I feel like this type of thing, like Hunger Games. Me with Prince Eric from the Lumber. But like, I did it too because I love Killian Murphy. Um, (laughs) I was part of the problem. But it's like, Hunger Games in itself was huge when it came out on social media. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, on TikTok, or not on TikTok, sorry, on Twitter, like Facebook, because those were really the only two things that you had at that time. I didn't even know Twitter was that big of a deal at that time. Yeah. But on Facebook, like, there were whole, like, groups dedicated to, like, Hunger Games. Okay, okay. So when when you first, like, asked this question, what I was picturing is that you're saying that people would, like, in real life, the Hunger Games is our real life reality. People would, like, latch on to genuine, like, <laughs> and They'd be like, hey it's the reaping again, like, like, And they're like, uh, PETA, like, ooh, we're obsessed. And then, like, you know, like, they would latch on to real life people. So I think that would also be amazing. Because if the Hunger Games happened in the same timeline as TikTok, the most disrespectful things would be said. Like people would be making it. Because, such a huge do you remember joke. like what happened with like the whole submarine thing? Like yes. Oh it, my god. It would be like along those lines where people were they were gonna be fighting for their spot in heaven. And when <laughs> when like in the you know in the Hunger Games timeline, like when the rebellion starts to take off and stuff, people would be like Oh, another attack at the Capitol. But you also know what? The only people that would have TikTok are the people that live in the Capitol. So it'd be like, oh, tributes coming in. Like, (laughs) (laughs) and they're already like micro obsess over like which tribute was like the hottest. And then they'd make like this huge compilation of like all their like best pictures, like (laughs) while they're fighting for their life inside the cornucopia. Child (laughs) sacrifice is the baddest. Yeah, no, that's what would happen. Yeah. But what I'm saying is that, like, <laughs> can you imagine the absolute earth-shattering, like, amount of TikToks that would be made about Hunger Games if it were coming out right now? People would, you know how sometimes they do, like, little skits where they, they just pretend to genuinely, like, be acting in something? I think people, yeah, Hunger Games, like, just came out. They would all just, like, be pretending to be in the Hunger Games. Yeah. And it sounds like, like that's what they did with, like, Eddie's character. Like, Yes, just, that's exactly what happened. Um, But I think it would be on a way larger scale. Yeah. But also, it's, like, the way social media moves on so quickly, I don't think there would be, like, that nostalgic effect that it has on, like, us now as adults as mm-hmm. it would with, like, children of this generation. Yeah. Because it's, like, that was impactful. It to- was people our age whereas like the stranger things thing didn't even hit me like trends move so quickly now that i don't know if it would have been that impactful for them okay (laughs) move on move on before i get distracted yeah that was a very fun question 
the last question we want to discuss today is the absolute impact, like significant impact that the Hunger Games had on the resurgence of uh, young adult dystopian literature. Yes. And also like the <clears throat> inspiration that it took from like previous dystopian literature. So starting off with like the the older stuff. So we're all familiar with the classics like 1984, Lord of the Flies, and The Giver. Those came out in like the 50s and then The Giver was in the 90s. So these are like well-known. They were impactful at their time and they still are impactful today. Mm-hmm. They're still studied. I love but, The Giver. Yeah. And I actually haven't read that one. I was telling Tabby, but I want to because, you know, speaking of like I've heard it's amazing. But these books, like, as impactful as they are, they didn't, like, start, like, trends of everyone was writing uh, dystopian, distrusting of the government type novels. And then I was telling Tabby, this is one that I remember from, I believe I read it in the sixth grade. It was called Life as We Knew It. And that came out in October of 2006. So prior to The Hunger Games, Mm -hmm. I believe this ended up being a series. However, I only ever read the first one, and I don't remember it having an impact. Like, I don't remember people, like, everyone reading that book. I know that I read it because it was one of those Mark Twain Book Awards books where they had the Did you get a pizza for it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I just remember, like, the librarians, like, putting on the, basically, the books of the year. And yeah, I read that one. So when The Hunger Games came out, that was September of 2008. And at this point, the next, like, six to eight years or so was just a resurgence of dystopian YA yeah, novels. for sure. And a lot of them were big enough and impactful enough that they also got turned into movie franchises. Mm-hmm. So, of course, the Hunger Games series kicked it off September 2008. In October of 2009, the Maze Runner came out. So, very shortly after. Very shortly after. And I'm sure that it was kind of in response to, like, how successful the Hunger Games was. And I'm not saying the person who wrote the Maze Runner was necessarily inspired by the Hunger Games. But I think the popularity of the Maze Runner was due to the success of the Hunger Games. Yes. And a couple years after that, Divergent. Now, at this point, enough time has passed. This is April 2011. So I wouldn't be surprised if Divergent was inspired by the Hunger Games. Absolutely. It's like they they definitely took a common theme, made it their own. Like, they definitely made it their own. It was its Mm -hmm. own thing. But the dystopian society was so popular like because she was still writing novels at that point like and they all focus on like a child hero like the child is just kind of living their life in this horrible dystopian society and then they get thrown into Mm -hmm. a scenario where okay the weight of the world is now on your shoulders and it's your responsibility to fix this dystopian society and so that's what that's what the theme was like 16-year-old, 17-year-old kid gets tasked with fixing the horrible world they live in. Yeah. Um, And then I never read these, but the Shatter Me series came out in November of 2011. And I recall those being 
relatively popular. I've heard great things and I've heard terrible things about them, but it is definitely dystopian. Like Mm -hmm. there's a whole section of book talk dedicated to the Shatter Me series. Yeah. And I don't believe those got turned into movies the way the other three franchises did. So those were kind of the biggest ones. And then lastly, we did want to give an honorable mention. Our absolute favorite dystopian book of all. Um. (laughs) So we do have a mini-sode on this, and it is Kendall and Kylie Jenner's dystopian YA book called Rebels, City of Indra, and I believe there's two of them. Which is crazy. We did not actually spend money on these books. We just we didn't even read them. them. No, we, we read <laughs> about them, and, and they're bad. But that came out in June of 2014. They were trying to jump Which I'm assuming minute. is also inspired by the Hunger Games. It has to be. Well, at least like the whole like dystopian like cultural blow up that came in the 2010s. I was going to say my thing is like if they had already kind of missed their window for one, but things had been going so well up until that point. I kind of like to think of it as they absolutely ruined all the fun for everyone. Like they put their book out and people are like, we have to stop doing this. Mm -hmm. This has gone too far and the books have gotten really bad. I like to think they ruined it. I also really feel like like the movie industry was really affected by the dystopian society stuff too. Mm -hmm. Not even with like the books being like turned into movies, but just like like directors and producers basing their movies kind of in that dystopian society because I remember like in 2011 like in time in time had like Justin Timberlake and Killian Murphy and Amanda Seyfried and like at age 25 like everyone stops aging and it's set in kind of like that dystopian society um setting also like from tv series perspective Mm -hmm. is the 100 based on books or is that just written for tv let me look it is based off of a book. Okay. When did that book come out? 2013. Okay. So again, in that prime time. And then, you know, the series, the TV series was really popular for that as well. Super good. Amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like there was inspiration drawn from like every form of media. It was an interesting time in our lives. And we also found some, if you guys are interested in some little opinion articles about why it was so popular throughout that time and then why it kind of faded off in popularity. Some people have written some opinion pieces about that. And they were good. Yeah, we enjoyed them. So I recommend just kind of Googling that. But that does wrap up this first installment of The Hunger Games. Um, Join us next week. We're going to be discussing the second book, Mockingjay. It is just as good as the first. That's the good thing about this series. It's all good. The gift keeps on giving. Yes. Um, the week after that, we are going to just be rolling straight into the third book, Catching Fire. No minisodes. Uh, no minisodes until after we've discussed all of the books, including the prequel, because then we will be talking a little bit about the new movie that will be coming out. We're just, we're flying through these bad boys. <laughs> so go ahead, get started on Mockingjay if you haven't already. We'll talk to you next time. And as always, let's get lit. Let's get lit.